Now it's time to talk to Derek Awusu. He's a writer and poet from North London. Until recently, he was one third of the Mostly Lit podcast and he edited and contributed to SAFE on British Black Men Reclaiming Space. That Reminds Me is his first solo work and is published by Stormzy's imprint, Murky Books. Derek, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Tell us how you got into literature in the first place. I was studying exercise science at the time at the University of Bolton. And my research methods lecturer told us to go off and read some Dickens because he said Dickens is right and it's so convoluted that it will get you in a state of mind ready to read research papers. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it was probably just joking, but I thought, okay, let me try and read some of these books. So I picked up Dickens, and they were quite thick, the ones in the library, so I put them down. And I picked up a short story collection by D.H. Lawrence, and I read a story called, it was St. Moise, about a horse. Mm -hmm. It's It's a Welsh name, I don't think I'm pronouncing it properly. And I remember reading it, and just, like, everything fell away from me. I was really into the story. I loved what they were talking about. It's kind of like, you know, D.H. Lawrence's tropes about nature having its own, like existence and all mm-hmm. those kind of things and all of that was embodied in the horse um and i was like wow like i'm missing out so i, I picked up another short story called the virgin and the gypsy by dh lawrence read that and i was hooked on the classics in, mm-hmm. like from then so i was reading oscar wilde i was reading ian forster hg wells i remember the first time i saw ian forster's where angels fear to tread and i just thought this is the most brilliant title for a novel i've ever <laughs> seen in my life like it's, it's amazing but i didn't know i was reading the classics I thought I was just reading like contemporary books. Mm-hmm. So Oscar Wilde, these people, I thought they were still alive. I didn't know they, were, they died like 100 years ago. And it's only when I was talking to a friend who was studying English literature at the time at the University of Manchester. And I was like, have you read this book, this book? And she was looking at me like, why are you reading the classics? And I said, like, what do you mean the classics? Uh-huh. And she explained it to me. And I feel like that's, that's given me an advantage uh, when it comes to certain things as well. The fact that I started with the classics and I wasn't put off by them. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, okay, I want to study literature. But I couldn't change course because it was too expensive. I called them up and they said, we'll fund your first year, but you have to fund the next two. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to do that. So I thought, okay, forget it. Just finish my degree and just be reading on the side. But then my friend would always come back talking about the amazing discussions they had in their lectures. So I thought, right, i got to get in on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just started sneaking into the lectures, listening to um, the lecture talk. When it was time for like some questions at the end, I would always be putting my hand up. People would look back like, who the hell is that? You know, it was, it was great. I really liked it. Yeah, it that's so lovely. I bet people were delighted to have you, weren't they? I mean, to be fair, it was such a big, like, lecture hall. They probably didn't. Probably didn't notice. I've taught undergraduates much. and some of them, like, look at Facebook all the time. So if I yeah. had someone who wanted to be there, I'd be Yeah, I'd exactly. Be, uh, I think thrilled. it was the kind of questions that I was asking that they were kind of like, why are you asking that question sort of thing? But, yeah. <laughs> um, that Reminds Me is a novel in verse. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah. Tell us how it came about. So I started writing this. So I was in a, I don't mind saying, I was in a mental health facility at the time. And I was just kind of writing, um, I was writing poems. And then I just started, I wanted to kind of figure out what would lead a person to have a mental breakdown or develop a particular kind of personality disorder. And I was spending a lot of time with the nurses there because there's nurses there 24-7. I used to sit down and talk to them and they'll tell me about borderline personality disorder, how it develops a lot of the people who've developed it have been in foster care before, mm-hmm. been in some sort of care, um, had some sort of trauma when they was a child. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and do this in like kind of memory. So I wasn't really writing a novel in verse at the time. I was just writing things mm-hmm. in chronological order that I think would do that. So I created the character K. Basically, I created him in order to d- destroy him. Mm-hmm. And then maybe afterwards, he would find some redemption. Yeah, and that's how it came about. So I was just, you know, I was just, I was just writing loads and loads and loads. I mean, the book would be a lot 
big than it is now if um, obviously my editor Tom didn't say okay we need to take this out take that. <laughs> <laughs> you know I had, I had tons and tons of verses um, but um, yeah it was great it was, it was a really fun process actually mm-hmm. going through especially when we're sitting with my editor Tom and he's giving me some advice and he's like mm, Derek you know this is bordering on the cliche at first you kind of recoil like what do you mean is it but then it's like yeah. okay yeah fair enough you're right I think it's a good way um, I've just been teaching memoir writing and I think a good way to write is just accumulate loads of material and then don't hold back, you know, don't think about shape and structure and then look at what you've got. Absolutely, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell us about Kay. You say about him, broken before he knew what peace was, homeless before he knew what family was. Tell us a bit about Kay. So Kay is essentially someone who grew up in foster care with a white middle-class family, but he didn't realise he was with a family that wasn't his own. Mm-hmm. And then when he's obviously biological mom comes to take him away and brings him to London, there's just kind of like, I haven't made it overtly like an identity crisis, but the things that he picks up on, the details that he notices, you can tell he's trying to fit in in mm-hmm. some way. And so I just, yeah, I just take him through his life, you know, the birth of his brother. Um, of course, he's, I guess, I don't want to call it sexual awakening, but the first time he feels sexualized mm-hmm. by someone who's a lot older than him. Through to when the borderline personality starts manifesting itself because a lot of people who have the disorder they have a string of a long string of relationships that just never work and I've made sure that made them nameless just Mm -hmm. to kind of get that effect across that Mm -hmm. he's just going from one person to the other Mm -hmm. and then yeah and then you know alcoholism as well I made sure I put that in there as well I wrote very detailed descriptions of like self-harm as well and I did that because I feel like people need to get over the fact that some people self-harm mm-hmm. and you don't understand why they do it. Okay, fair enough, you know. But then afterwards, there's still the person, you know, who's done that to mm-hmm. themselves. And I feel like you should feel some sort of sympathy for them mm-hmm. because they're not doing it for attention. Do you know what I mean? Um, they're doing it because there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Usually they, usually it's an emotional pain that they have and then they use self-harming to kind of release that pain. So I wanted people to, of course, it might, it probably is uncomfortable for people to read, but it's just after, it's once you get past that, and then you see that, okay, this is someone who's really troubled mm-hmm. and you start to feel empathy for them. Mm-hmm. Would you read as the author's note right at the beginning? I found this really sure. fascinating. This is the story of Kay. If you believe your life to be as fictitious as Kay's, if you find yourself within the pages of this book, then you are holding the pen and not me. That gave me a nice little gasp when I <laughs> I opened the book and I read the author's note and I thought I am in for this ride. <laughs> tell us a bit. Tell us a bit about it. Well, I think because there's so many similarities between myself and Kay, um, on the surface mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I think that it was just very necessary for me to make that distinction. You know, even people who've, re- who've read like early drafts and all of that kind of thing, when they're talking to me about the events, they're like, okay, so when this happened to you, and I'm just like, no, no, this didn't happen to me. This mm-hmm. happened to Kay. And it was hard for people to, do you know what I mean? Because they, they think it's a memoir. It's not. It's a novel in, in verse. You know, I, I made a lot of these things up. But yeah, yeah, of course, I based a lot of the events and on, um, on some of my experiences. But I'd say about 85% of this is all fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah, definitely important for me to to get that across. Do you think that's a sort of a self-protective distancing mechanism, or was it a creative urge? Or I think it was just a creative urge. I don't think I'm very open. I'm very happy to speak about things about my life and things that have happened. Um, so it wasn't about creating distance. Um, it was just kind of just so people read it in the proper mind frame, mm-hmm. not reading it thinking I'm reading about Derek Owusu. 
Um, can you? Uh, I thought you might read a little bit for us, would you? Yeah, um, sure. I absolutely. want to try and get across to our listeners the, you know, the poetic, um, fragmentary nature of it. Okay. I watch a little black boy standing outside a shop, pretending not to be bothered by his white friends inside spending money. I walk over and give him a two-pound coin and remind him to eat whatever he buys before he gets home. My mum wouldn't approve, so I know his mum won't either. Wide, his eyes look like mine, and I fall in love with how grateful everything about him becomes. Safe, man, he says. He smells like cocoa butter and dax. And I follow his scent up to the door and watch as he stands in front of the colourful sugars with snappy names. I know he's savouring being spoilt for choice. I'm sure when he takes a bite of whatever he buys, I too will be satisfied. And a memory comes back to me of the first time I held a pound coin, given to me by a stranger who smelled like cigarettes and blue magic. That's so beautiful. Um, I was reading that earlier on and just uh, completely choked up. I think it's the, the thought of the expression on the little boy's face. He captured it so wonderfully. Um, would you tell us about the role of Anansi in the novel? Yeah, so um, in Ghanaian um, mythology, obviously I'm from Ghana, Anansi is the god of stories. Mm-hmm. And of course he's a spider. And the legend goes that in order to become the god of stories, he had to give um, Nyame, who was the sky god, four gifts, four particular gifts. I forget what they were like now. And then he became the god of stories. So this is me literally bringing that kind of mythology to life. Mm-hmm. And Kay is telling Anansi his story so that Nyame, the sky god, will have some sort of sympathy for him, releasing from the, the, the pain of living that he's experiencing. And it was important for me to have some, you know, Ghanaian mythology in there, part of the Ghanaian culture. A lot of, there's a lot of Ghanaian culture in there. There's words in there that I haven't even bothered to translate mm-hmm. because I just thought, well, you can just Google it if you really want to know <laughs> what the word means, you know. And yeah, that, that was very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard reading at times. You know, the distress is vivid on the page, but um, I felt it was a book just f- completely full of love. I finished it feeling joyous. Yeah. Um, was, that your, was that your intent to bring your reader to that place? Absolutely. Um, I don't want to give away the end, but what happens in the end is I wanted people to feel like, you know, no matter what happens, mm. you can still love somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> um, what's next for you, Derek? I have an idea for my third book. My second book is Teaching My Brother to Read, which I haven't started writing yet, and my editor asks me every time he sees me, so how's the, how's, <laughs> how's the book coming? I'm just Tell like, us oh. a bit about it. It's intriguing that you're uh, getting your brother to read. I now see reading, I see literature as a way to really free people from themselves, open their minds and all those kind of things, broaden their horizons, the same goes. And my brother is not a reader. You know, he's 11 years younger than me. He'll prefer to be on the street than reading a book. I really felt like I could, I'd be doing him a favour if I got him into literature. Mm-hmm. So I remember once I tried to get him to read, I gave him To Kill a Mockingbird to read. He started crying um, because he didn't want to read it. <laughs> you know, he was, <laughs> he was angry at me for making him read. So I thought, OK, let me not force it because he's just going to hate li- mm-hmm. literature for the rest of his life. But now I came to a time where I was like, OK, let me try again. You know, I said, look, Let's do a podcast together. You and I will talk about books. He, he wasn't really buying it. So I said, look, I'll give you £20 to read each book and then we discuss it. <laughs> he was like, mm, I don't know. I was like, all right, I'll give you £50. Mm. And then he was like, all right. <laughs> so let's do it. So I'm paying him £50 per book. There's 12 books. So what happens is he's going to read it. Then I will read it. And then he'll give me his interpretation of the book without having seen any kind of reviews or anything yeah. like that. And then I'll give him like the um, generally accepted perspective on that book and then we'll meet in the middle 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds great. I will look forward to reading it. No, I look forward no to writing it. No pressure. Sounds yeah. like you're getting enough of that from the editor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. 